Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. Ephesians chapter 6. And again, we're going to talk about fathers this morning. What we want to do, we want to encourage you fathers with the, with the work that God has called you to do. I have many jobs and tasks in my life that I do, but <clears throat> I think that none of them is more important than the job of being a father. And ultimately, I honestly believe that none of the other things I do are going to have the same impact as my fathering does. It's pretty important. Let me <clears throat> read you something. The most important predictor of criminal behavior is not race, not income, not religious affiliation. It is a father absence. It's boys who grow up without their fathers. David Blankenhorn, founder of the Institute for American Values. William Bennett put it succinctly in a 1986 speech on the family in Chicago when he asked, where are the fathers? Generally, the mothers are there struggling. For nine out of ten children in single-parent homes, the father is the one who isn't there. One-fifth of all American children live in homes without fathers. Where are the fathers? Where are the men? Wherever they are, <clears throat> this much is clear, too many are not with their children. And studies show that the the absence of a father expresses itself in, a, in male children in two very different ways. It's linked to increased aggressiveness on the one hand and greater manifestations of effeminacy on the other hand. A 1987 study of violent rapists found that 60% of them came from single-parent homes. Uh, a Michigan State University study of adolescents who committed homicides found that 75% of them were from broken homes. Girls without fathers fare no better. They become <clears throat> uh, all kinds of problems in their lives as they deal with them. Now, I realize this morning that as we look, as I look out on you, this is 2013, and there are all kinds of difficulties and issues in your lives, and some of you f fall into those issues. There is grace. There is always grace available, right? God can always bring grace to bear in the situation and use it to help somebody, even though the situation may not have been ideal. That's not what we're talking about today. What we're talking about is this. Fathers, your work, your job is important. It is extremely important. Uh, if you shirk your responsibility and go into hiding, and you can do that and be in the home. You can shirk your responsibility and you can go into hiding. Uh, <clears throat> there's going to be an impact upon your children's lives. God intends for you to leave a mark on them. It's amazing to me. Although mothers do so much of the work with children, isn't it absolutely amazing how kids turn to dad very often? How kids actually uh, sometimes idolize dad. I don't know about you, but I've seen situations where dad really shouldn't have been idolized. He was really not doing a very good job and not really interested in doing a very good job. And yet his kids seem to think the world of him and want to follow him anyway. You see, <clears throat> there is something about that father-child relationship that is really important. And we've got to take it. And we've got to understand it's important. We're important in God's scheme of things. <clears throat> Somebody said this, said, uh, you, you, you can be born a male, but it takes maturity to become a man. And <clears throat> you're only young once, but immaturity can last forever. Right? And I, listen, man, we, we have to accept that, that as a gender, uh, we're being charged with immaturity in this day and age. And I think with some legitimacy. I think with some legitimacy in the sense that we've become much more self-focused than fathers of yesteryear was, were. Now, I think there are reasons for that. There are society reasons for that. There are reasons why men are, are stepping back and taking a back seat. There are reasons why men are not being all that they should be as far as being fathers are concerned. Uh, I think the enemy definitely has a part in it. Uh, he's definitely pushing that way. Uh, recently, I watched a documentary, and it was, it, it, it was fascinating. It was just the progress or the digress, 
rather, uh, of the figure of father in American TV. Like fascinating thing, right? And it started off with father knows best, right? And dad was reverenced in the home because he was dad. He may not have been perfect, but listen, he was dad. And it showed you uh, how it changed over the... I can't for, for the life of me remember, and I've never been able to find it again, to look at it again. But it showed you how it changed over the year. So one of the closing scenes was, was um, <clears throat> this picture of Dad lying on a bed, uh, crying because he didn't know what to do. And I don't know what... I have, we have no idea uh, what, what one it was from. Uh, and, but it, it was just showing you the picture of Dad. Dad has changed so much to... To the place where in our society, dad is almost superfluous to the thing. You know, you just got to put up with him because, you know, he's a bit of a buffoon, but uh, he's kind of helpful to have around sometimes. He takes out the bins and all the rest of it. But he's lost his function as head of home in society. He's lost his function as the leader. Feminism has had its impact as far as that's concerned, too. But we're in trouble. And as a society, we're in trouble because of it. Because dad is important to the scheme of things. Dad is important to it. Uh, Dad, you might say, is essential to it. James Dobson, in his book, Dare to Discipline, says, good fathers are made, not born. Then he goes on uh, to suggest three specific areas for for a father to keep in mind. First one, he says, is children oftentimes follow in the footsteps of their father. Now, they do, don't they? How many of you, I don't know, this one visits me regularly, right? <clears throat> my, my dad and I, my dad was a good man. Uh, he was a, uh, a good father in that he kept everything, but he and I did not get, didn't get on all that well. And I was, in my youth, I was never going to be anything like my father. And you know what? I look at myself now, and I have followed him in certain ways, almost to a T. Right? I have a much better respect for him now than I did when I was a kid, but I have followed him in so many ways. I've become like him in so many ways. It's just uh, incredible. Uh, and that's what happens with our kids. Our kids actually follow us. Even if they don't want to, they follow us. Even, even if it's not particularly what they want to do, they tend to follow us. Dad, you need to understand that your kids will follow you. The most frustrating things you're going to find in your kids are that they repeat the things you've done. That they're like you. They're too like you. That's the most frustrating thing. Sometimes they can make you very irritated with them, but the reason is you're really upset with yourself because um, you can see coming out in your kids what was in you. By the way, the answer to it for us is not to follow a parent, but to follow the parent. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the answer to it. That's, that's what helps. That's what changes things. And let me say this. Every family line has to change to that position somewhere. Every family line has to change where they're not going to repeat the mistakes of their fathers forever and ever, that they're actually going to change, and what they're going to do is they're going to look to the Lord Jesus, and they're going to be what he would have them to be. And that's the way you do it. You look to him, and you model yourself after him. But children follow their fathers. Secondly... <clears throat> Um, Dobson said this, the second thing he suggests is that the best thing a father can do for his children is to love their mother. Now, let me say this to you. It's incredible to me how important the relationship between mother and father is to children. You know, listen, they can put up with anything as long as the mom and dad will stay together and and look after each other. It's amazing how important that is. It's amazing how it rocks them to their very roots when that relationship is shaken. 
And you know, Dad, if you would be the biblical man that you should be and love your wife like God says you should, you can bring such security into your home. You can, you can be, Mom, see, he can't do it on his own. But listen, when you get that relationship and you straighten out that relationship and you say, listen, we are here. We are here for the long haul. We are going to work together at this thing. And you develop a relationship like that. Listen, your children will visibly breathe a sigh of relief and go, oh, that's great. Because the most important thing in the world to them is mother and father. Listen, your children can put up with almost anything. If you're together in it, and they know you're together, they, they'll go anywhere with you and do anything with you. They're very versatile, they're very <clears throat> uh, movable, but they need the security of that relationship. It's really important to them. And thirdly, a Christian father will arrange to spend time with his children. Okay? Uh, look, the reality of life is you're going to delegate responsibility for <clears throat> raising of your children to your wife and to others in school and so on. That, that's going to be. But understand this, that nobody can take your place with them. No amount of money, nothing can take your place, can take the place of time with your children. And we live in a very pressured age. You know, we've got demands of work, we've got all kinds of demands on us. And we live on the other side of it in an age when not only are we pressured, but we're expecting a high amount of fun. And it can be very easy for fathers to get to the place where they're putting it all out of work and they're having their fun at home and they're really not spending time with the kids. And listen, that's really important. Even if your children don't live with you, and I understand in this situation there are, there, there are children that uh, you don't have direct control over, you need to spend time with them. You need to make sure that you spend time with them, that you, listen, that's really important to them. That's a huge stabilizing factor in a, in a child's life. Even if the relationship uh, with the mom is long gone, you need to make sure that you take time and spend time with your kids. Now, I'm going to give you some families from Scripture that are inspiring, some fathers particularly, that are absolutely inspiring. And you know what? They're inspiring and they're very ordinary at the same time. What they do to be inspiring is actually very ordinary. And I like that, because you know what? That means I can be inspiring. That means you can be inspiring. God does not expect us to be <clears throat> supermen. But he does expect us to be fathers. And if we'll be the fathers he wants us to be, God can take and God can mightily use us, and God can make us inspiring fathers. First man <clears throat> we're going to look at, we're not going to look at the scripture for time's sake, is Noah. Noah saved the human race. Everybody in this room can trace their ancestry back to Noah. You know, listen, we, we all came from Noah, all of us, because you know, by the time uh, the flood was over, there only was Noah and his family. Uh, so we all can trace our line back. We all have some of Noah's blood in us. So everybody on this planet today, all, almost 7 billion of us, everybody on this planet today has Noah's blood flowing in their veins. We've all been affected by him. Now, how did Noah do such a wonderful thing? Well, you're going to say, well, he built a boat. Well, lots of other people have built boats. Bigger boats than Noah built and, um, you know, more, technolo more technology in them for, for definite, you know. <clears throat> how did Noah do such a great job of saving the world? The boat was only a part of it. Do you know what Noah did? Noah reached his family. That's really what he did. The only people on that boat were his family. And Noah saved the world by being a father. By being a father that actually reached out to his family and drew them in. You see, <clears throat> sometimes we feel like we're just cogs in the wheels of the whole thing and we have no power. 
But do you realize that if you affect your family for God, that you've done something enormous, something incredible? You can actually have an impact upon the world. You can actually do something that's going to uh, <clears throat> change the world. A man called Edward Kimball was a Sunday school teacher in a Chicago Sunday school. And um, <clears throat> that, that he was just an ordinary man, and we would never know him. We'd never have heard of his name, except for one person that he reached in his ministry. And only one person that he reached in his ministry stands out. Uh, we've, we, we've never read a sermon that this man wrote. We've never uh, read a Sunday school book that he wrote. We've, we, we've never heard anything much about him except this. He's the man that in obedience to the Holy Spirit reached D.L. Moody with the Lord. With the Lord. And D.L. Moody saw over a million souls come to the Lord. And this man came, listen, he was just a humble Sunday school teacher. He was just doing his job as a, uh, as a Sunday school teacher. And the Spirit of God said, go and visit Moody today. Go and visit that young guy. And he did. And Moody had been wrestling. And what he did was he went and he visited uh, him. And, <clears throat> and, and God used him uh, to reach this man. And this man reached a multitude with the gospel. Now, here's the thing. You know, listen... Reaching one is important. Reaching your family is a critical issue. Now, what do you have to do, Dad, to reach your family? Well, did you ever try and sell something to your kids that you didn't really follow yourself? They know you way too well. I've talked with many people whose fathers told them they shouldn't smoke, but Dad smoked. You know what? Didn't work. Because if you're going to reach your kids with something, you've got to have it in your heart first. In Deuteronomy chapter 6 it says, and these things shall be in your hearts and thou shalt teach them unto thy children. If you want your children to be raised to walk with God and to live for God, you have to be the right kind of Christian. You have to be somebody who's given yourself to it and who's living it and who it's a reality for. If it's not real for you, they'll look at you and they'll say, yeah, well it's interesting but it's not for me. If you're going through the motions, they'll smell it. And they'll say, yeah, but it's not for me. It has to be real for you. You have to have the Lord in your heart, in your life. It has to be real for you. You see, Noah reached his family. But Noah reached his family not not through building a boat. Noah couldn't have built the boat without his family. Noah reached his family because his heart was given to the Lord. Yeah, we looked at Caleb last Sunday night in, in church, and Caleb wholly followed the Lord. That's a powerful statement. And Noah wholly followed the Lord. And you know, in all the mayhem of the pre-flood world that God wanted to destroy, the Bible says this, that Noah found grace in his eyes. That in all the wickedness, and all the badness and difficulty, God looked down and said, hey, look at Noah. That guy's, that guy's doing the business. He's the right kind of a man. And God was able to take him. God was able to use him. Listen, you need to be the right kind of a man if you're going to raise your children for the Lord. That's the first thing. The first thing is, listen, it's not just like you can do nothing. You can definitely do something, and it starts with you being the right kind of a man. And I doubt that Noah had any idea of how many children ultimately he would have. Because all 6.8 billion in one sense are his. 
But you know, he had, he had very little idea of the impact his life would have. But it's had a huge impact. He's an inspiring father. He did the business as a dad. And it paid off. And it paid off handsomely. Let me give you another inspiring father. <clears throat> Abraham. Abraham is an inspiring father. Abraham is the friend of God. He's the man that walks with God. He is the man that uh, <clears throat> enjoys this sweet relationship with God. He's the man that God uses to found a whole nation. And God said this of Abraham in, in, in chapter 18 and verse 19. He said, I know him, that he will command his children, and that they will follow me. I know him. I know this man. He's the kind of man that's going to command his children, that's going to lead and guide his children in the ways of God, and they will follow me. And God reckoned on that as being important. You see, God was raising up a nation, and he wanted a man who would do the business as far as being a father is concerned. <clears throat> Listen, God was the inescapable reality of Abraham's life. Everything in Abraham's life is about God. God says, leave, go, Abraham. I want you, I want you to, I want you to go, go off into, into a place that I will show you and uproots and, and take everything with you. Go to a place that I will show you, Abraham, and um, I, I will take care of you, and I will make your seed as the sands of the sea. And Abraham said, yes, Lord. You know, Dad, if you expect your children to obey God, you need to be the kind of person that obeys God, too. You need to be the kind of person, you, you the kind of person that says, yeah. God is my God, and I'm going to follow him. And your children need to see that. That needs to be the reality of their lives. Think about the things you can give your kids. You could make a lot of money and give your kids a lot of money. Oftentimes, it's the ruination of them. The stories are just rife of children ruined by the riches left by their parents. Okay? You could give your children an education, and you should, as best you possibly can. But if that's the legacy that you leave them, you know what? Listen, that doesn't guarantee them real success in life. That gives them an opportunity. But when you leave them with an example of a life lived following God that's blessed of God, you leave them with something inescapable, something that's worth all the rest of it combined, more than all the rest of it combined. You need to leave them with a picture of somebody who followed God. <clears throat> Let me read you a story um, <clears throat> by Gail Erwin. It's his per personal testimony. He said, when I was six years old, my father was severely injured in an airplane accident and left partially paralyzed and brain damaged. My mother then became the breadwinner of the house. Since my mother was often not there as she attempted to make a living and my dad was not there physically or mentally, the stage was set for family failure. But our family did not fail. Through difficult times, both parents stayed faithful to God and to us. Prayer, belief, steadfastness, and love surrounded us. Money and fine homes didn't. When my father died, my two brothers and I stood in front of his casket and made the following statement to the friends who had gathered for the funeral service. Our father did not leave a financial empire for us to carry on. Many things that a dad normally does with his sons, ours was unable to do. He was unable to teach us many things that a dad normally teaches, but he did leave us something that he had. He left us with a love of God, a love for the Bible, a love for people, and an understanding of worship and an inability to hate. We feel that he has left us only those things that will last. So we stand here before you as his sons and declare publicly that we will follow his God. You know what? Dad couldn't do much, but he died a success. 
He died a success because he passed it on. You know, <clears throat> Dad, you've got to be the real deal. And I realized in a day and age when that's making it hard for you to be the real deal, that's giving you all kinds of other options, that's drawing you away to all kinds of other things, you need to be the real deal. You need to have in your heart beating a love for God that shows. You need to go all the way with God. You can't hang back. You can't paddle in the shallows. You can't just play make-believe at it. You can't just do the church thing. Listen, you've got to get a relationship with God going that your children can see. That means something. That when you pass on, you leave them with something. The reality, the example of a dad that loved God and walked with him and knew him. That'll have an impact upon your kids. <clears throat> That'll be amazing. Another inspiring father from Scripture was Job. And Job simply did this for his children. Job prayed for his children. We look in the book of Job, we find that, listen, Job spent time uh, before God calling out each of his children's names. And um, <clears throat> he brought them before the Lord regularly. You know, fathers, we often hear much of a mother's prayers. And a mom's prayers can be heartfelt, broken prayers that she's crying out for her kids because she's attached to them. But what about dad's prayers? What about dad pleading for his kids? And what do you want for your kids when you come to God? You want them to be wealthy? Well, that's probably not the best thing for you to pray for them. You want them to be successful in life? Well, that's important, but it's not the most important thing. What do you pray for them? Do you pray for their relationship with God? Do you pray for them to walk with God? For them to know Him and the reality of God and that relationship with God and for them to walk with Him? Remember, we really believe that if they have that, they have it all, don't we? We believe that if our kids actually have that sweet relationship with God, God's the provider of everything. God can give them everything else they need. Don't, don't we sometimes get it back to front and we pray for the wrong things for them? We need to be modeling the relationship with God and we need to be praying for them for it. Lord, bring them to know you. Now listen, when you start <clears throat> praying for your kids to, to, to know God and to walk with God, um, <clears throat> I believe God answers prayer. Do you believe that? I believe God answers prayer. And I believe God particularly answers prayer that are obviously in accord with His will. And it's God's will that each of our children walk with Him. Now, God never forced anybody, and he won't force your child. But you know what? When you start praying for your child to walk with God, and you start modeling what a walk with God is, God starts to work in your child's life. God starts, God starts to deal in your child, and he'll do some things, maybe things that, listen, uh, you find very hard, but God will do them. God will work in that child's heart to, 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 to shepherd that child into a place where a walk with him is the best thing for him. But pray for your kids. Pray for them to have a relationship with God. Pray for them to be uh, <clears throat> come into that place where uh, they, <clears throat> they, they, they're seeking God in their own right and they're raising families. You know, it's kind of hard uh, to, to look at life like this, but do you realize that <clears throat> your children are the parents of your grandchildren? And they're those grandchildren. I mean, it's hard to think of Ruth. Ruth is going to be the mother of my great-grandchildren. It's kind of hard to look at it like that. And you know what, listen, if you can pass it on to your children, and they pass it on to their children, you know what you've done? You've started this Christian dynasty. 
you've started something really powerful and you've started something that will impact the world. Money won't impact the world. You listen, you can make millions. And somebody else, I guarantee you, will squander it in much shorter time than it took you to make it. <clears throat> that, that, that's the way it so often goes. But you know what? When you leave a Christian imprint upon a family, upon a line, that's something that impacts the world. That's something that has a real impact, and you can do it. <clears throat> Why don't you go another character? And look with me here at, at this one, Joshua chapter 24. Joshua 24, and this is the end of Joshua's days. He's uh, coming to the close, and he's giving final instructions to Israel. And look at verse 14. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. Now, that's a heart-aching statement for Joshua to make. Remember, these are the people that were led out of Israel, that because of their disobedience spent 40 years in the wilderness, and now were led of the Spirit of God to take the land, and have taken the land, and you know what Joshua's telling them? He's saying, put away your idols. Do you know what? The, the seeds of failure were already in the nation because they were worshipping idols. They were going the wrong direction. But I want you to notice in verse 15 the bold statement that Joshua makes. And if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods which of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He's making a declaration for his home, we're going to serve the Lord. We are going to be God's people. We are going to be the people that actually walk with God and serve the Lord. Now, Dad, that's a bold statement, isn't it? Uh, now, and he meant it. Joshua didn't say, but as for me, I will serve the Lord. That's not what he said. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And he meant it. Now, <clears throat> I wonder, Dad, this morning, would you be willing to actually step up and do that one? You'd say, well, Pastor, you know, I'm not sure, and, you know, <clears throat> um, I can't make them do anything, and I can't actually force them. But here's what you're saying. The heartbeat of our home is going to be that we're going to follow the Lord. The heartbeat of this home is going to be that we're going to walk with God. We're not going to shortchange it. We're not going to compromise on it. The heartbeat of this home is we're going to follow the Lord. That's what we're aiming for. That's what our goal is. That's where we're going. Listen, there's a lot of other things that need to happen in your home for your children's sake. But you know what? That's the key issue. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, I realize if you said that, you know, that will put it, put it up to you, wouldn't it? What if it didn't work? What if somebody doesn't? What if somebody say, decides they're not going to? Well, listen, <clears throat> here's, here's the deal. Either you accept failure from the beginning and you say, well, it's never going to work and I can't do it. Or what you do is you say, no, listen, that's my heartbeat. That's where we're going. I'm going to do everything I can to see that my family follows the Lord. And if somebody chooses that they're not going to listen, ultimately there's not a lot you can do about that. But the reality of your life is, listen, I am going to 
point my family in the direction we're going to make our choices, our decisions, we're going to do the business as a people that are going to follow the Lord. That's our home. The success of our home is not going to be measured in how much money our kids make. It's not going to be measured in the jobs they take or the positions they have in life. The, posi- the, the success of our home is going to be that they follow the Lord. And you know what that does? That dictates everything. That dictates education. That dictates the way you run your home. That may dictate the jobs you take, Dad. What you're doing is you're saying, listen, I am going to do everything that is in my power to make it a reality that when I pass off this world, my family are all walking with God. And as much as I can, that their families are going to walk with God too. Now, I realize you're all in different stages. But you know what? There's some of you here with young children. Some of you here with little ones under your feet. And you know, little ones under your feet are work, aren't they? They're a lot of work. The busiest people I know are mothers with a lot of young children. That's, I mean, that's busy. That's so busy you don't know your own name. Right? But you know what? When you make the decision that you're going to make your home a place where God is the center and success can only be when they're walking God, walking with God, you know, you start gearing your life in that direction. And God responds. The Bible says, draw nigh unto God, and God will draw nigh unto you. God responds. Now, let me challenge you, Dad. It's not a case of, you know, you deciding that and kind of saying, okay, Mom, you need to make this happen. It's a case of you deciding, this is what I'm going to do, and you putting in place the things that will help you to bring that about. It's a case of you coming to the place where you say, listen, this is important. This is the most important thing. And you put things in place in your life. The first thing you would start dealing with is you. Are you truly, with all your heart, walking with God? Not asking you, are you perfect? Because there's nobody in this room that's perfect. But are you, with all your heart, walking with God? I like to put it this way. It's like the, the, the set of your sail is towards God. And you don't allow distractions to take you away from it. But your heart is you're going towards God. Now, obviously that's going to be very practical. It's going to work itself out very practically in your life. It's going to find you in the Word every day. Basic to your Christian life is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the foundation of that in practical terms is your devotional time. You're going to spend time with Him every day. You're just going to do it. You say, oh, now you're getting legalistic on me. No, I'm not getting legalistic. I'm telling you how to have a relationship with God. You're going to spend time with God every day. Secondly, you're going to find yourself in church. You say, well, no, you're going to find yourself in church because what's going to happen is you're you're going to want to be under the preaching of the word all that you possibly can. So you're going to find yourself in church. That's going to become part of life for you. Your kids are going to end up in church. They're going to come to the place. I mean, I love these little little ones that, that are raised up with, they've been going to church since they can't remember. But, you know, listen, days after they were born, they were in church, and they've been in church all their lives. Now, listen, they may fight at times, but you know what? It's hard to get away from. That's the reality of life for those kids. <clears throat> um, it's going to find you in church. It's going to find you in that place. It's going to find you obeying God. It's going to find you getting radical about your Christianity. 
It's going to find you coming to the place, you know, where Christianity is so important to you that you make sacrifices and choices that are very evident in your life because you're a Christian, because you love God and you're walking with God. You see, if we're going to do the business, we've got to be the business, first of all. It's got to be real in our lives. And if, if, if we were looking for a way to impact LifeGate and Tala and Dublin, we, we couldn't do it more effectively than to impact men that will lead their families in the right direction. So you may be here and you may, you, you may be saying to yourself, <clears throat> well, I wasn't born with a Christian silver spoon in my mouth, right? There's no such thing. Every generation is a new generation as far as Christianity is concerned. And you know what? Listen, <clears throat> you can pass on something great to your kids. It doesn't matter where you start. The Spirit of God is just as real. Uh, for first-generation Christians as he can be for fifth-generation Christians. Listen, it's the Spirit of God that does the work. But you decide in your heart, listen, I'm going to make a difference. You'd be amazed at what God would do. You know, the reality of our relationship with God is, it's not even give and take. It's like this. I decide. I commit my will. And he gives. I get touched by the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, by the preaching of the Word, and I decide this is what I want to do. And I may say, Lord, I'm hopeless, I'm helpless, I'm, it's impossible for me. But I decide I'm going to do it, and the Spirit of God steps in and enables me. And if we could get a group of fathers this morning who would say, listen, that's it. My home is going to be the kind of place where God is the center of it all. I'm going to do everything I possibly can to raise my family so that they go God's way. I'm going to do everything I possibly can to walk with God <clears throat> before them and show them the reality of a walk with God. You know, listen, God would do something. God would respond to that. God responds to the heart of his people. Man, God would respond to you. Forget about what the world thinks of your position. You know, <clears throat> forget about the obstacles that you see and look to the God who can overcome all obstacles. And you decide you're going to do it. And I guarantee you, it will make a huge difference in your life and in your family's life. It will make a huge difference. You see, <clears throat> if we want to turn a generation around, we could do what, <clears throat> oh, <clears throat> what the world says, and we could pump our money into education. But, you know, education will fail. You know, we could try and lift the standard of living for everybody and pump money into the situation, but the standard of living is not the problem. But, you know, if we get a bunch of dads would say, this is my job. This is my moment. For such a time as this, I came into the kingdom. And you would grasp the mantle, and you would decide you were going to be the kind of dad you're supposed to be. And you're going to lead your family the way you're supposed to. You know what? 20, 30, 40 years, 100 years from now, the impact of the decision you make today would be huge. Because God does that kind of thing. You see, our inspiring fathers that we looked at weren't inspiring in themselves. They were inspiring because of their relationship with God. And that's where it starts. Because he has the power to do that which you can't possibly do. Oh, listen, Dad. Would you take the challenge this morning? Would you set your heart, your goal, your focus on raising a godly seed in a desperate day, knowing that a loving Heavenly Father will stand beside you and enable you as you do? Let's all stand for prayer.
Father in heaven, would you take and would you work in our hearts this morning, Lord? <clears throat> and Lord, take and bless these men and bless their hearts. And Lord, oh Lord, give them a vision and a f- focus. Give them a goal in mind for what they can do for you. Oh, blessed Spirit of the living God, would you sweep into this room and would you undertake in a mighty and in a powerful way. And oh Lord, may it be that decisions are made in this room now that are going to be life-changing for families, for men, and Lord, for our society. Lord, we ask you, would you do it? With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask you, you're here this morning and you're a dad and God has spoken to you and you're going to respond to him. You're going to say, Lord, that's what I want. I want to be that kind of a dad. I want to raise that kind of a family. I'm going to do what it needs, what needs to happen to be that kind of a dad. Would you just lift your hand? I'm taking the challenge. Amen. 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 See those hands. Amen. Are there others? I'm going to take that challenge. I'm going to, <clears throat> I'm going to be that kind of a dad. Anybody else? Let me ask you another question. Mothers, you're here this morning and you would say, listen, I'm going to support my husband in being the godly man that he should be. I'm going to do all that I can to help and enable him to be the godly man that he should be. Would you lift your hand? Amen. Amen. Let me ask you one other question here. We've got a bunch of young people here today. All kinds of difficulties and issues and problems. But it's the one that would say this morning, listen, by God's grace, I'm going to be the obedient child. I'm going to be the submissive child that enables God to work in my life in a powerful way and make me the kind of man, the kind of woman that he wants me to be. Would you lift your hand so I can pray for you? Anybody at all? Now, Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for dealing with us today. Thank you, Lord, for... Uh, speaking with us. Thank you for these men that come, Lord, as, uh, as fathers. Lord, we're weak, we're feeble, we're frail, Lord. We don't have it. But, oh, we come to the one that does, Lord. We come to the power that is available, the one that is able to do it all. And, Lord, we look to you. Lord, would you mightily work in our hearts and lives. Lord, would you take the decisions that are made today and would you impact families and change them. And, Lord... <clears throat> May your blessing rest upon us, and may your glory shine through us, and may your life be the life that's seen in us. In Jesus' precious name, amen.